I was going to have to call Bob up to preach for me because you guys got me all sappy. I wasn't going to get sappy until you called Amanda and Colleen up, and then it just got worse from there. So I usually don't get emotional, but um, thank you for making, making me feel special and honored. And uh, it's a privilege to, to serve you and to love you. Uh, it truly is. Um, truly blessed uh, to be here uh, with you. Um, I think Doug and Colleen are perfect matches for Amanda and I. We were on a website, matchespastor.com or something like that. <laughs> he met all of the criteria or something. Like he popped up first. I don't know. I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, swipe right. But they are uh, a blessing to, to me and to the, to the community, and so we're thankful uh, for them as well. Um, I don't know if I told you the story, but I, you know, Amanda and I were looking for somewhere to, we, we felt called to St. Louis we, area, we just didn't know where, and uh, we met Bob uh, on a bus visiting with church planters, and he was telling me about this area uh, that we're ministering to now, and I remember driving through, I would come up uh, to the airport to fly out for work a lot in St. Louis, and I would come early and, and drive through this area, uh, and the first two times I just said, this is just not where God called me to come at all. Um, you know, it's flat, it's, you know, all, all the excuses, right? Um, and I remember specifically the third time, I said, well, I'm going to give it one more shot, and I come through and I drove, and as soon as I entered the area, I was just overcome with the love for the people of this area. Um, something that I can't explain, and other than just the calling that God had placed on my life and Amanda's life, just to to love the people in this area, and it's amazing to see the people that God's bringing here, and um, like um, Kayla said, like, we love because God first loved us, and the love that I have for you, I say it's it's not naturally me, but it's God, it's God within me. And, um, and it truly is my um, honor and privilege to, to serve you the best, best that I can, Amanda and I and Doug and Colleen. So thank you for that opportunity. Ozzie Smith, right? Woohoo! Now, speaking of, that was amazing. I, that really caught me off guard. Speaking of Ozzie Smith, I thought I would have somebody with a, a, my face, you know, holding it up because I would be the center fielder for the Cardinals someday. But... Preaching the word of God, hey, I'll take it. That's that's you know that's up there too, right? So <laughs> never thought I'd have my face on a, but no. Th- seriously, thank you guys for for all that you do and all that you've done to honor us. Um, so I want to just take a moment to to pray and thank the Lord for all that He's doing. And then we're going to be in First John uh, chapter five. So we have. This verse and then, or this sermon and the next sermon in chapter five, and we'll be wrapped up with First uh, First John. And the title of this sermon today is called "The Testimony of uh, Jesus." Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, thank you for, um, thank you for this church, and and just thank you for helping to remind us that Christ is the head of the church, and that that you are growing your church. That this is your bride. Um, thank you for the love that we have for one another. Um, Lord, that comes from you. That comes from knowing that you love us. Um, Lord, thank you for uh, working in and through us to love one another, to love our community. Um, thank you for the opportunity to just serve one another. 
um, to just do life together. Lord, to be the light of your son Jesus throughout this whole community um, and to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus that we're about to learn about. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts um, this morning through your word and uh, we would take this throughout our week. In Jesus' name, amen. So the testimony of Jesus and loving one another and declaring the gospel of Jesus um, is, you know, really where it's, it's all at. And I was thinking of Mark chapter 3. I'm going to read 1 John 5, 6 through 12 in a little bit. But I'm going to point out Mark chapter 3. As I was looking at that, here Jesus is starting his ministry. He's beginning to call some of his disciples And he is gathering really large crowds of people because of the healing and because of the things that Jesus is doing. And he's gathering these large crowds of people, and and they're seeing what he is doing. But yet we see in these verses some strange things that are happening. First, we see his family come up to him when the crowd is there and say, and try to basically rescue him and say that he's basically lost his mind. And Jesus rebukes them, and later his family comes and say, your family's there. And he said, who is my family but my brothers and sisters in Christ, right? That's my family. Also in that section of chapter 3, we see that the religious people, the scribes, they come from Jerusalem, where Mandy and I will be next week. We're really excited about that opportunity. Um, But we see the scribes coming, and they see what Jesus is doing, but yet they don't believe. Or they believe, and they turn something that's good into something that's bad, and they say, well, this guy is possessed, He's possessed by a demon. That's why he's able to do the things that he does. And so I wonder, what is going on here? That his family is trying to intervene, saying something is wrong with him. And the religious people are trying to intervene and saying there's something wrong with this guy. When I believe they knew the truth anyway. The world, I think there's some arguments that say, well, I I just can't. I can't believe in this gospel of Jesus. Or some might say, well, I'm I'm trying to believe. And I think if most people that aren't believers would would be honest, they'd probably say, I I just, I won't believe. And so what I'd like to do is look at 1 John 5, 6 through 12. Let's read that together. If you have your Bibles, you can pull that out or... If not, you can follow along on the screen. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony. 
that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And I want to remind you, and I think it will be a reminder next week as well, but I want to remind you of why John wrote this letter. It, it is a reminder to you and I that our believers, if you are a believer here today, that we have eternal life. John is writing this as a reminder to you and I that you and I, through Jesus, our faith alone and Christ alone, not by works and that no man may boast, that because of that, we can be assured and be reminded that we have eternal life. So I want to ask you this question, what is the one thing that you have the hardest time forgiving someone about? Now, as Christians, we're supposed to forgive. But for me, there's, some things are easier to forgive than others. For me, someone lying to me, like that is so hard. Especially my children, like... When my children lie to me, it's just the worst, like that's the hardest thing. It draws the most emotion from me out of anything else, and it's the hardest thing to forgive. Because it's like, I love you. If you just tell me the truth, like it's going to be okay. But that's the one thing for me, and I wonder about you, what's the hardest thing for you to forgive? Now the Bible tells us about the testimony of Jesus, that there is one thing that God will not, cannot forgive you for. And what I'd like to do is go back to chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 28 through 29. Again, this is after the religious people uh, basically told Jesus that he was possessed, and he tells this parable, and then he gets into verse 28 through 29. Truly, truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man. And whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. You see, the scribes, I believe they knew who Jesus was. The evidence was there. It was clear to them that this was the Messiah, but they blasphemed Jesus. They turned what was good, Jesus, and they proclaimed that it was bad, that this guy is possessed, so they blasphemed Jesus. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit as the work of the Holy Spirit convicts us and, and shows us who Christ is to turn the good into bad or to deny and continue to deny who Jesus is. Blasphemy is what they accuse Jesus of, saying that he, he was God. And that's what they try to stone him and try to kill him for. But it's speaking evil against God. But here, blasphemy that Jesus is talking about is you, you say something that's good and you say that it's evil. And here is denying that Jesus is the Savior. Denying that Jesus is the Messiah to say he, from he is good, but yet we're going to blaspheme him and say that he is bad. 
In verse 6 in 1 John chapter 5, it says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. As we as Christians receive the Holy Spirit, put our faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is also the one that testifies on earth about Jesus. He is our internal as believers. The Holy Spirit resides in us and he testifies to us that Jesus is the Messiah. Our testimony as followers of Jesus is very powerful. In Revelation 12, I believe it's verse 11, it says that we will overcome the enemy, the devil, the evil one, with the blood of Christ and the word of our testimony. See, our testimony is very, very powerful. But God also testifies through the Holy Spirit on earth to everyone about Jesus his son. And he does that through the Holy Spirit. And he does it all the time. He testifies to all of us. And the Bible is very clear that over time, a continual denial of Christ will harden our hearts. That, that eventually God gives up. There's no hope. So we should always never take lightly God testifying to us Christ and His Son. John 16.8 I'm going to turn to that. John 16.8 Probably read 7 and 8. Nevertheless, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. So in Romans chapter 1, the Bible says that there is no excuse to not to know that there is a God. We can see God in, in nature and throughout the world. Here, Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit came to convict people of their sin and of their unrighteousness and the pending judgment that is to come. So there is no excuse for anyone not to know the gospel of Jesus. In Romans 1, it says that for what, we, what can be known about God is plain to everyone, but yet we suppress the truth. We didn't give honor or thanks to God, and we exchanged the truth for a lie, just as the scribes did to Jesus, that we exchange a truth, something good, for something that's a lie and it's something that is bad.
And Romans 1 goes on to say that eventually God gave them up to the world, to the desires of their heart. And there is no pardon for someone who dies in their rejection of Christ. Going back to 1 John chapter 5, I want to point out verse 9. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that He has borne concerning His Son. The testimony of God, of the Holy Spirit, the testimony is, here is Jesus. The testimony is Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. There is no other testimony other than the name of Jesus. So the testimony of God is His Son, Jesus. We see back in verse 6 the testimony, the three things, and Spurgeon said this. He said, A priest was always ordained by sacrificial blood, cleansing water, and oil that spoke of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus also had these three witnesses to his priestly ministry. And we see those three, three things in verse 6. We see the water and the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit who testifies. The testimony of the Holy Spirit testifies that Christ, the Messiah, came, shed His blood on the cross, and died for our sins. He was buried. Three days later, rose again, and now sits at the right-hand throne of God. The testimony of the Holy Spirit of Jesus. Also, the water and the blood testify to Jesus. Some say the water was Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist. And there's some good arguments about that because remember the dove, the Spirit came onto him and God opened the clouds and from the heavens says, this is my son who I am well pleased. And the blood, the atoning blood on the cross. So those three things testify. Some would argue that the blood and the water was when the soldier put the spear into Jesus on the cross and the water and the blood came out. I'll let theologians argue which one of those it is. But those three things, those three things testify. The same thing of anointing priest in the Old Testament. The water and the blood and the oil, which is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, we see that a testimony, someone's witness against somebody else, it required two or three people. And here it, was, here it is three things that testify to Jesus. To Jesus. Verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. In himself. Now, this statement is for you if you are a believer. And I believe most of this is for us as believers. There's also some implication as unbelievers. But here, in this first half of this verse, the purpose, again, in 1 John is our assurance of salvation. Our assurance of eternal life. 
that we have the Holy Spirit within us that testifies that Jesus is the Messiah. But it also applies to unbeliever. The second part of this verse 10, whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. Again, I believe some people would say, I try to believe. I really try to believe in Jesus, in the gospel. And I wonder, what does that, what does that really mean? Is it beyond ability? I know there's the work of the Holy Spirit within our hearts and convicting people, and God does the saving But I also know that there's not a verse or a passage that says, try to believe in God. Or I want to believe, but I can't, which is more honest. Or I I will not believe, which I believe is the most honest that one could say. Here, the Bible in the second half of verse 10 is clear. That those who are unbelievers, that have yet to become believers, it says, is calling God a liar. So what hope is there for one that tells God to his face, you, sir, are a liar? Because God testifies. What is it that God testifies on earth. It lays it out here in verse 11 and 12. It says this, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. So the application for today is that as believers, as we have the Holy Spirit within us, it's testifying to the gospel of Jesus. It's, it is given to us the testimony daily of Jesus to help us. Right When we struggle in our faith, the Holy Spirit was within us testifying to, to us that, no, the, Jesus is the Messiah, that you do have eternal life, that you are forgiven of your sins. It helps us to understand how sinful we are and what that means in relation to God and how joyful we are because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. The testimony of the Holy Spirit within us helps us to understand the Bible. It helps us to understand the good news of the gospel that this truly is good news. That we were destined for an eternity apart from God and had no hope other than the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit within you testifies to that over and over and over and over again to you that the anointing death of Christ was good enough. That His blood shed on the cross was good enough. The water and the blood and the testimony of the Holy Spirit is good enough in the court of God's law. It's good enough testimony. It's proven so that you have no doubt.
There is no verse in the Bible that says try to believe. We have heard the testimony of the Holy Spirit. He is working in this world, in our hearts. So don't call good evil. Search, look, call out to God. Ask Him to reveal to you who His Son Jesus is. To remind you of the testimony that God gives us. As we go out and you look in, I know it's getting fall, you look at the beautiful leaves falling. It's a testimony. It's a testimony. I pray that we see that today. And for those that don't, it's like a judge offering you a pardon. It's like the, the testimony is there. Like, I, I want to give you a pardon. And it's like saying, no, I don't, I don't want your pardon. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? Are you really that prideful? And stubborn that you wouldn't take the testimony, you wouldn't take the pardon. It's like calling the judge a liar. Say, I don't believe you. See, Jesus was not crazy like his family thought for a moment. And Jesus was not possessed with a demon. Our excuses and our fear suppress the truth. And we have to be careful not to call good bad. His testimony in the Son of Jesus, His Son Jesus, is the only way to eternal life. God can forgive you of every sin that you've ever committed and will ever commit because of the blood of Jesus. But you have to believe the testimony. And you have to make that decision. If you've not made that decision today, I would encourage you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. To be reminded or to see the testimony of God on this earth of His Son Jesus. And you would believe and you would accept the pardon. And you would be set free. Let us pray. Dear the Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for this body. Lord, thank you for growing your church. Lord, we thank you for another day that we can come and serve you and get to know you more and love you. Lord, thank you for those that are here, Lord, that have the Holy Spirit within them because of their faith and trust in Jesus. And you're reminding us all the time of the testimony of Jesus. Lord, because we are, we are just sheep. We are prone to wonder. Lord, help us to hear, to see, to understand, to know the testimony that you've put in us, in our hearts. Lord, if there's someone here that has not received a testimony, put their faith and trust in Jesus, I pray that they are calling out to you today. Because Jesus stands in our place when we are guilty. We have a debt to pay. 
to you, God, that we could never pay. And Jesus paid it. And those three things testify on behalf of us who are sinners, who are broken, who have no hope. Testify. And when we receive that, we can stand in front of you not on our behalf of our merit, but on behalf of your son Jesus, who you opened the clouds and you said, that is my son, who I am well pleased. Lord, thank you for the daily reminder. Thank you that the spirit and the blood and the water testify. Lord, help that to be amplified within us so we understand you more, we love you more, we understand your word. We we truly see the gospel as good news, that we truly understand what Christ did for us on the cross, the, the atonement of his blood shed for us. Lord, help us to see clearly that. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.